son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like, if casual and cool, had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Josh Dooley. And it's great to be back, folks. Uh, the pod went on a bit of a hiatus since shortly after the screw job known as the 2023 Peach Bowl, but we are making our triumphant return here and we're super excited about it. Now, in the past, when I said we, that was a reference to myself and Gene Ross, but the show is rolling out a lineup change this spring. Gene is still you know, super busy with Landgar Holy Land, but he's working on some other stuff and so we decided to bring in the small guns, pun intended, which I will get to. You know, um, despite my my thirst for hot takes and poor predictions, the powers at Land Grant said, hey, we want to continue the pod. Do you know anybody? And, of course, one person came to mind. Unfortunately, Joe Rogan did not want to co-brand. I, I think he's got sort of his own thing going on. He did not want to co-advertise. So uh, thought about a really good friend of mine and – uh, just, I, I'm super excited about this, so I'm going to get to his intro without stalling too much more. Um, he is my brother from another mother, a diehard and knowledgeable Ohio State fan, a terrible golfer, and arguably a worse gambler who lost a lot of money on John Rahm this weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the pod, Chuck Holmes. What's up, Chuck? Man, I appreciate it, Josh. And I just want to thank Joe Rogan because without him and his 400 billion dollar spotify deal i might not have got this opportunity so i thought I we had him, him i thought we had him like i went to austin i did the mothership thing and it just we couldn't come together on money i guess well when you can't even count how many zeros you have in your bank account that tends to happen i unfortunately don't have that problem so here i am uh, i'm rolling the work for uh, land grant money as they would say but uh, besides that I'm, I'm super happy to be here i I am a lifelong Buckeye fan. I cannot wait to get started, and I cannot wait to outtake you on every single podcast. (laughs) 
Yeah, and so uh, for those of you listening, Chuck and I previously did a podcast. It was called Zero Star Recruits Podcast, and we talked about really everything. Uh, this will be much more Ohio State-centric, obviously, and still focusing on football as much as we can, but we'll also hit on basketball and, and, and get into some other stuff too because Chuck and I have – a bunch of other interests that you know we've been friends for 20 years so there's a lot of thing in a lot of things in common uh we'll talk about fantasy football eventually um he's a cheater so that'll be a fun conversation and we're, and a winner <laughs> and we'll also talk a lot about nfl draft especially this spring and it's going to be this podcast this episode actually so um you know with intros and whatnot out of the way we figured we would well no i'm sorry chuck let's go back first before we get into the draft i don't want to cover or bury the lead here ohio state football recruiting been on a tear and i don't know how i almost skipped over this but last night great news for the ohio state buckeyes they landed number eight quarterback in the uh, 2024 class air noland he is the number 84 overall recruit Left-handed quarterback out of Langston Hughes High School in Georgia. He was actually teammates with, um, gosh, Jelani Thurman, sorry, the uh, 2023 Ohio State tight end recruit. And, uh, look, I'm not the most knowledgeable recruiting guy in the world, but I watch, uh, you know, once we started to hear some things about him, I, I went online and watched a bunch of his stuff. Really talented quarterback, uh, a lefty, which for my money, lefties just look better. No, no matter what, doing whatever, whether that's a baseball swing, throwing a football, shooting a basketball. So um, really like quick release, again, from what I saw. And look, I don't want to make the, the easy comp to like African-American lefty quarterback, but he's really known for his release. And it is a bit Mike Vick-ish, just as, as quickly as he gets this ball out, throws an effortless ball, but... Beyond that, I just, you know, I've probably watched 20, 30 minutes of film from him over the last week or so, but a big commitment for Ohio State, you know, they're out on Dylan Rayola, Um, you know, he he decided to sort of part ways, him and Ohio State uh, at, at the beginning of this whole cycle, and so that's a big target, you know, the number one quarterback in the country, but Aaron Noland, I do not think, is a consolation prize. This kid seems really talented, and he's really excited to be part of the class. Uh, a lot of guys were talking about him throughout. So, Chuck, if anything, what do you know about Aaron Nolan, and what do you think this does for Ohio State's recruiting class right now? First of all, you stole my thunder on the lefty thing. I love left-handed quarterbacks. I can't <laughs> wait to see a left-handed quarterback at Ohio State. Uh, the last left-handed quarterback didn't leave a great taste in my mouth a long time ago. So I'll hold, hoping... on, hold on, hold on. Um... Belisari, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's how old I am. That is unfortunate. That's unfortunate, though. Right, I got to experience that. So I, I'm excited for that part. Uh, obviously, stats in high school can be taken with a grain of salt, but when you're 70% completions, 4,000 yards, and 55 touchdowns in a state title, like that's that's something, right? There's There's got to be something there to it. And for him to obviously get a for Ohio State, a pretty late offer and almost immediately in the recruiting world, as quick as he committed was is is immediate, right? He was a a almost as soon as he got it, it was a crystal ball change and he was here. 
it seemed like before before we knew anything. So I'm super excited about that part of it because obviously that sounds like he wants to be here. I mean, you don't make a decision that quick without having already done your research and already had conversations with those that you love. So I'm I'm happy about that. I love the left-handed part of it, and I can't wait to to see what he does once he gets to 205, 210 pounds, once he fills out a little bit and, and is uh, flicking it everywhere. Yeah, I mean, let's hit on that 6'3", 195, obviously a little bit of room to add some weight to his frame, and he's not a runner per se, but he can run with the ball. Again, just me reading some of his, um, you know, uh, recruiting profile, but... Ohio State will have to now, you know, flip the film, only recruit right tackles. So that's a little bit different now, D- different blind side. But no, um, a really good get for this class. And I don't want to skip over the other ones or other one, at least that's been pretty recent. Mylon Graham, another, another, another five-star wide receiver out of New Haven, Indiana. The number five wide receiver in the country, according to 247. Number 27 overall recruit. 6'1", 170, again, watching a little bit of film, dude is shifty, he can separate, Um, I I, I don't have a comp for him because I haven't watched that much of him, but seems like another really talented guy, and, you know, at, at this point, what do you even say about Brian Hartline, he's got, you know, 10, 12 top 100 wide receivers, it seems like um, I know that number's out there. He's only been the full-time wide receiver coach since 2019, but just year in, year out, he's getting at least two or three guys. Mylon Graham joins Jeremiah Smith, the number one overall wide receiver, as just another set of studs to go into this Ohio State wide receiver room. So you, you get a quarterback, you get a, a pass-catching threat to go with the other ones you've already got, and that makes I, I want to say that's let's see, that's the Armstrong twins. Peoples, Graham, and Nolan, all since March 27th, I think. So Ohio State is just gathering a ton of momentum right now. And if you want to nitpick, I guess, you you have to look at their class and say, where's the defense, though? And I'm actually sort of working on a piece I started on for uh, the website this week. It's like they've got a, a bunch of really talented guys. You've got four offensive linemen. You've got your quarterback. You've got your running back. You've got two uber talented wide receivers. And on the defensive side of the ball, you have Cade Stover's cousin. Um, and that's not to diminish him as a recruit. Garrett Stover is a four-star guy, a uh, really good linebacker, kind of safety hybrid prospect out of like Sunbury, Ohio. So close, you know, close to Columbus a little bit, but Uh, yeah, I mean, at some point you want to get some edge rushers. You want to get some linebackers. You want to get some secondary. I know they're in good standing with the number of guys, but again, if I want to nitpick just a little bit, that's the one quasi concerning thing, but it's still super early. And I think uh, all in all, Ohio state's recruiting right now is in a really, really good spot for this 2024 class. It's funny you mention that. Weren't we hearing whispers a month and a half ago about, oh my God, there's not enough commits in this class. And now all yeah. of a sudden we're, we're six more, seven more commits in. And you're right. It is a little concerning that the defense hasn't been addressed as much, but you can almost shut down offensive recruiting now, right? Now you're just holding on to your guys. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely getting there with all the positions you fill. That's fair. 
Right. I mean, <laughs> trust me, I still think we need another running back. I know we uh, we should have talked about that previously, but we, we need another running back, in, in my opinion. But you're to the point now where the majority of your focus can move to defense. And if there's other programs that aren't that way and they're still spread a little thinner on both sides of the ball, that could potentially help. Uh, so I, I'm not too concerned about it. Now, if we have the same conversation on – june 9th instead of april 9th then yeah maybe we might might start to get a little worried about it but the recruiting aspect of it hasn't ever really been the issue right when uh with the failures of the program the last couple years uh it's never been boy they just didn't get enough talent in this year and these guys aren't good enough and talented enough to beat michigan or beat georgia that was never the conversation right so I'm less concerned about it. Uh, give me a couple months, and then maybe we can change our tune. But I don't anticipate us even getting to that point. Yeah, they're not losing to Michigan because they had the number five recruiting class or the number six recruiting class or anything like that. So that's definitely a fair point. And just for comparison purposes, you know, Ohio State is now in the top five. It depends on where you look. Uh, you know, I think on three has them up at number three. I, I believe they're number four, number five right now in class rankings on 247. Regardless, they're top five across the board. And you look at some of these other programs, Texas right now has two total commitments. That's it. Alabama has four, one of which is on defense. So just a couple of schools I found that are lagging a little bit further behind. It, it, it is so early. And in this sort of college football world that we or Ohio State lives in, like it don't matter until the letters are signed, right? Like this does not matter right now. So they're, they're in a really good spot though. And that's what you want to take from it. And we'll talk probably more about that as some other names get thrown out there and hopefully Ohio state will get some additional commitments during the spring and summer, knock on wood for some defense. But I think that's going to cover that Chuck, because we wanted to get into the NFL draft. It's coming up in a couple of weeks now, starts on Thursday, the 27th. And realistically, I would say there are eight Buckeyes who should hear their names called at some point during the weekend. Those players are C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Paris Johnson Jr., Dewan Jones, Zach Harrison, Luke Whipler, Ronnie Hickman, and Cam Brown. So, Chuck, I want to let you talk for a second. Real quick, am I missing anybody? Because I don't think I am. And just as sort of a one-off, should I have even included Cam Brown? You know, three or four years ago, I think he would have gotten drafted just because of the reputation of the program. But yeah, I, I think you're probably pushing it. I Maybe he's a seventh rounder. I think he's probably a priority free agent. And in that case, you know, you fall into the right spot. Anything can happen. But you know me, I'm not the hugest of huge Cam Brown fans. I know he's a great kid. Uh, he tried his hardest, but his, the production just wasn't there. Hugest of huge. I'm going to write that down for later usage. I like that one. Don't use it. I've already got it trademarked. Sorry, pal. All right. So what Chuck and I wanted to do is just sort of discuss each one of these guys in some sort of estimated draft order, right? So uh, I, I realize we did throw Cam Brown at you first. Technically, we're not going Ronnie Hickman next, I promise. And... You know, when it comes to this order, I, I think the only flip-flop opportunity is probably JSN and Paris Johnson Jr. I, I 
threw JSN in there first, but I think that those guys could be flip-flopped easily. I think they are 2A and 2B, I guess, behind CJ Stroud, but we'll do some projections. We'll look at a few team fits and potentially even throw out some comps, which are, are sure to piss people off because nobody ever likes comps, myself included. That being said, Chuck, we're obviously starting with CJ Stroud. Range or projection is sort of a waste of time with him, right? Because the entire world knows that he's going somewhere near the top. I want to hit you with a two-parter first on C.J. Stroud or as it pertains to C.J. Stroud. Do you believe that he is the best quarterback in this draft? And regardless of your answer there, do you think that he should go number one overall? I don't think he's the best pure quarterback in the class, but I do think he needs to go first overall because I just don't believe in Bryce. Because you're a size queen? I I am because – there's just never been anybody like that, right? Everybody's talked about it. Nobody has ever successfully played quarterback at the size Bryce Young is, and I don't believe he'll be able to hold up. Could he have a few great years? Potentially, but I just don't see it. Like, I don't – I know there's a bunch of other guys that are shorter, but none of them have been as small as him. The idea that he's going to play at 205 or – 210 whatever he weighed in at is crazy i mean he he was 185 pounds at alabama if he could play at 205 or 210 pounds alabama would have had him play there right they wouldn't have let him be as skinny as he was he had to play where he was and i just don't see it i think stroud's qb1 and i don't really think it's a debate in my opinion i mean that's interesting i I think it is a debate, but I can't really like stand on the table and tell you why. I think that size does come into play, and you're right. A lot of people make certain comps, and this is not a Bryce Young podcast, but people have sort of compared him to Kyler Murray. To your point, Kyler Murray runs around at, gosh, he's probably 210, 215. Like, he's thick. He's got a thick lower body. He's got a bit of a big ass. Like, it is what it is. Um, and Bryce Young just doesn't carry that weight. So I don't think that that's fair. As far as pure quarterback skills, like, I still really like C.J. Stroud, though. I really do. You know, I think if you were to mash up, like, his, like, just a 10-minute tape, uh, highlight tape, he'll make throws that I, I don't think Bryce Young can throw or can make, but Bryce Young can just like make some really good. I don't know if it's decision-making or if it's creativity, he's a little bit more mobile. Like I think they each bring something. And so the tiebreaker for me would be CJ Stroud. And just looking at the draft, I, I do think he needs to go number one overall. The Carolina made that trade with Chicago to go up there. I don't think that they did that for anybody else in this draft. Maybe if Jalen Carter hadn't, you know, lived at Popeye's or Krispy Kreme after the season and put on some weight and got into the trouble he did, maybe it's a different conversation, but he's slid down the draft. Will Anderson Jr., probably not quite up that high. So it comes down to quarterback, and you just know that they're going to take one of those two guys. As far as comp comps go, you know, I've heard the, the Jared Goff comp I don't want to say that three times fast and the problem I have with that is I think that that automatically projects or predicts a low ceiling for Stroud which I'm not willing to do like if if Jared Goff is your comp you're copying him to a guy that has to be a system quarterback the coach won a super you know got him to a Super Bowl essentially now 
he rebounded in Detroit, but I, I think that's a low ceiling kind of guy. So while I don't necessarily think that Stroud is a, a unicorn like Mahomes or Josh Allen, I, I do think that he has potential to become one of the most accurate and productive passers in the league one day. So my comp is actually a taller, slightly more mobile when he wants to be Drew Brees. You know, and I, and I say that because you're looking at special accuracy, throws an incredibly catchable ball. Um, you could probably argue that Drew Brees sort of um, – operated in a system but he was good in san diego too like he was good for his entire year so or his entire career so there are some differences but i'm just looking at the accuracy and some of the special like thread the needle throws that aren't necessarily um you know a hard out or a 60 yard bomb because that wasn't drew Brees, but just you know, finding a guy in between others, in between defenders, or leading a guy to where, you know, he shouldn't have been open, you threw him open. I think that's what makes CJ Stroud special. So I'm going to go away from the golf thing and give me like a bigger, taller, more mobile Drew Brees as my comp. What do you think? I love that you gave him a comp of the uh, young man that's second all time in passing yards in the NFL. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, lofty, he, right? <laughs> yeah, why not? 80,000 yards is, is nothing to sneeze at. I, I don't think it's a bad comp. And I, I have somebody similar that's a little bit older. To me, he's more, not more, but, it, and this guy was similar in Kurt Warner. Warner was a okay. little bit bigger. Uh, he was less of a system guy. I know he he had at least had success in a couple different systems, but he was that 6'3", 6'4", 220 kind of guy, and his was the same thing, right? He didn't have the big arm, but he threw a bunch of deep balls like C.J. Stroud has done, right? Nobody says C.J. has a big arm, but because he throws the ball so well, he can complete a ton of deep passes. He threw his receivers open in the greatest show on turf, constantly right you never heard oh warner he, he didn't put that on the right shoulder same as cj stroud right so again i'm giving him a hall of fame career as well so i guess i can't uh bust your balls too much for drew Brees. but that is you know that's what we're here you, when you're comping people you don't want like like you said you don't want to comp them to somebody who's okay <laughs> like let, let's yeah. see what he has and and this is this is best case scenario but He's got the talent. Let's see what he can do. I, I probably wouldn't have thought of Kurt Warner in a million years, but I do really like that. I mean, obviously, C.J. Stroud's a little bit more mobile than him, but <clears throat> there are a lot yeah, of similarities. Yeah, but he's not going to use it. Yeah. He's not going to use it, right? So, uh, to me, it's irrelevant that he runs a little faster and can move around. What he could do, what Warner could do was move around in the pocket a little bit, and even though he wasn't fast, he had that part of it and that's what cj has right he he has the ability to to adjust himself in the pocket and make a throw and i think that's where the similarities could possibly be uh, that's a good comp i'm going to give you a point for that one because like i said i wouldn't have thought of kurt warner um been out of the league for a little bit but i like that one um now unfortunately that means that cj stroud is going to go undrafted and bag groceries at kroger and it's going to take him a little bit of time but you know everyone's got their own journey look as far as fit goes for cj stroud 
I like him on most of the teams picked near the top that have been linked to him. So Carolina, Houston, Indy, Detroit, and or Las Vegas, but he isn't going to fall to number seven. They can make a trade. I, I, I should scratch that from the record. So he's been linked to a handful of teams. All of those teams are quarterback needy to a certain extent. The only concern I have from those teams is Houston because they're, they're terrible. Like I, I think that CJ Stroud could be a fit in any of those systems. I think he's a coachable guy and he's learned a lot, obviously from Ryan day and Corey Dennis. So it's not like those teams run a, a wild sort of exotic system that he can't get used to. In a sense, Ryan Day runs a bit of a, an NFL pro-style offense already, so none of those things concern me. But, yeah, just the fact that the Texans are a dumpster fire with limited weapons. You look at Justin Fields, for example. You know, his first two years were not great just because there was no talent around him whatsoever if cj stroud falls into that same situation i do think he could find himself in a little bit of trouble because he just can't run around and, and try and get a thousand rushing yards like justin fields but i do think he's pretty system proof as long as you give him something to work with and some sort of weapons on the outside i think he'll be just fine yeah i actually completely disagree with you i think carolina <laughs> is a <laughs> and I do. And here's why I, I actually think they've got a good support system in place, but what they had to give up to get him, they gave up their number one receiver. Now he's not a true number one. He's probably a one B or a really good two in DJ Moore. They don't have a great line. I know they drafted a left tackle uh, last year for, in the first round. He didn't have the greatest rookie year. So that's not great. Um, with Houston, You've got a new coaching staff coming in. You've He's got a defensive coach. You got a defensive coach. Right but, right, but he brought in an offensive coordinator from the 49ers. They're going to run the 49ers Shanahan system. If he can run the system right, he can. He's got a left tackle. Whether you overpaid for Tunsil or not, he's got a left tackle that's certified. They've got another number one pick. They've got an early second round pick they can get him some weapons and take a step pretty quick. I don't know that they will be a better team than Carolina next year, but I think CJ Stroud would have a better opportunities to succeed on his side of the ball next year in Houston versus. I mean, you defended it well, but you're not going to talk me over to your side. Um, you know, I, they did give up a lot of draft capital and DJ Moore. Like that was a huge, huge trade. And, but unfortunately, you know, that's the going rate. They probably, if they didn't give up DJ Moore, it was another premium pick. So they had to do that. The reason that I liked them doing what they did at least is even if they were undecided, like the 49ers were maybe a couple of years ago, they went up there and now they control the draft. But, you know, we're talking about CJ Stroud. I, I think Carolina's got enough and... The reason that I'm not concerned there is Frank Reich, Josh McCown. Like, look, Josh McCown's never coached before. Maybe he's been a consultant, but, like, you've got a couple other quarterbacks there to help and develop him. But, I mean, it's all TBD. Um, 
the Raiders would be interesting, but I just don't see that happening. You know, him being able to throw to Devontae Adams would be neat, but yeah, it's just, and then I look at the other teams, Indy just, they don't have the talent. I don't, I think we've seen that the last couple of years. Like I, Michael Pittman Jr. has been a fantasy crush of mine for a couple of years now, and you know, he's not always chalked up to me. So, um, I, I, I'm going to like his fit. You know, I'm rooting for CJ Stroud. I think that he can make some noise somewhere, wherever he goes. But ultimately, you know, I think he goes number one. I don't think he falls to number two. If he does, I hope that he gets paired up with the guy I have going number 12. And so that's my sort of segue to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, he's been mocked right around that area. That would be wild, crazy interesting if that were to happen, if Jackson Smith and Jigba gets taken with the Houston Texans' second first-round pick, which is number 12. But looking at a guy, 95 catches for 1,600 yards, playing with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who were the best rookie wide receivers in the NFL last year. But he gets injured against Notre Dame, can never get right, misses the whole season. I think people kind of forget how good he was. Um, even, you know, selfishly, I was just always mad that he couldn't get on the field. And I'm not saying that he didn't try to get back or anything like that. But, like, when you get frustrated with somebody, you're like, oh, I kind of forgot how good he was. But So I'll include myself in there. But I, I think here's the problem. He doesn't check every box for every team, right? He's not 6'4", 220. He's not Tyreek Hill with the speed if you're going to knock him for his size. He profiles as a slot guy, although I think he can play outside enough. He's just not going to win maybe a ton of jump balls. He's not going to be your big De- – DeAndre Hopkins isn't even that big. He's just so damn good. He's not going to be Devontae Adams, you know, or, or one of those guys who just makes – nothing but contested catches, but I I think he can move around all over. The funny comp that I saw for him is, and and Chuck, tell me if you think that range sounds good to you, but the funny comp that I saw for him was Jarvis Landry. And this was on NFL.com. I wish I wrote down who had it. That sounds awful. Like, I, I know that Jarvis Landry was productive-ish early in his career, but he was productive averaging eight yards per catch. Like, I know he went to Pro Bowls. I'm not trying to knock him. It's just ceiling-wise, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba, if he stays healthy, like, blows that ceiling out of the water. Maybe I'm too high on him, but number 12, potentially, and a Jarvis Landry comp is what I have now. I've got my own personal comp, but I want to let you sort of weigh in here. Yeah, Jarvis Landry's kind of a joke, right? Because he's not fast, and I get it. Uh, JSN's not fast either, but you're right. Jarvis Landry averaged 9, 10, 11 yards a catch. Even never when he explosive. Was in, never explosive. Never. Yeah, even when he was in with the Dolphins throwing or catching 125 balls, he just never was that. I agree he's not going to stay outside a lot uh, I'm in total agreement that a slot guy definitely has a has to find the right role and the right team you've got to have a team that's committing to hey we're going to run this guy in the slot 60 70 snaps a game 
but they're out there. It's 2023, right? Like there's plenty of NFL teams that want to do that. And to me, he's more of a, like a Chris Godwin type who is a really, really, really good number two and could be a number one in the right system, but probably wouldn't be a 30 point a game offense, but he could be it. And I think that's what, what JSN is, right? He could be that number two and, and Godwin's had a couple 90 catch 1400 yard seasons. Now he's gotten hurt recently. So it's, it's kind of, he hasn't had the longevity that you would like to see. But he's gotten paid, and he's had a lot of good years, even before Brady. He was doing this with Jameis Winston, who can't stay on the field since he left Tampa Bay. So Jarvis Landry, oof, that's a that's a floor. That's a making Jared Goff look like a, a home run type floor pick for us. Yeah, like those comps are comps, right? If you're saying C.J. Stroud – and Jackson Smith and Jigba are Jared Goff and Jarvis Landry. You got a six-win football team, maybe, <laughs> depending on what else is around them. And, and not a ton of yards, not a ton of explosives. So I, I like the Godwin one. Here's where I'm at. I think that Jackson Smith and Jigba has plenty of juice. You know, we watched him run away from DBs while at Ohio State, and he performed – extremely extremely well on change of direction drills at the combine you know he was like best three cone best 10 yard like crazy in the last decade so i i I, bear with me okay I, i was trying to think of like a lethal big play slot guy and I'm not saying that JSN is going to be this guy or reminds me of him in every way. I just want to ask the question. Why can't Jackson Smith and Jigba become Cooper Cup? You look at them, similar size. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, arguably way more athletic. Uh, Cooper Cup doesn't drop anything ever, and I think he's a little bit tougher with the hand uh, with the ball in his hands, but... Like, a guy who does a ton of damage from the slot. He's great over the middle of the field. Great on the seams. Just knows how to get open. I, I, I don't know if that's the comp I want to settle on, but I'm at least asking why it's not possible. Yeah, it's possible. And I think part of it that the mystery of that is they we've never seen Jackson Smith and Jigma have to run the routes that Cooper Cup runs, right? He yeah. runs, even though he runs out of the slot, they just, the off, the Ohio State offense was was run way different. And he hasn't had to be tougher because that's just not what the offense requires, right? It does require a little bit of the outside guys, but the slot guys pretty much get the ball, hit the seam, and get down, and let's run the next play. So I, I'm not not saying he definitely can do it, but he is it hasn't been put in the position yet, so... Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd take that over Jarvis Landry eight days a week. Well, and I think about body control too. You know, Cooper Cup is one of the best, um, and, and there are a lot of really, really good ones in the NFL, but Cooper Cup is one of the best, and we've seen some just some gnarly, gnarly stuff from Jackson Smith and Jigba, whether it's on the sideline, um, the, the back of the end zone. I mean, that's where he first sort of, uh, popped right was he had the touchdown catch in the back of the end zone um, as a young player so I just I I think he's got a really productive ceiling I, I don't know how high it is but I think if he gets in the right system um, he's 
he's not going to just be a hundred catches for eleven hundred yards and three touchdowns. Like I think he's just got a higher ceiling than I think he's more explosive. So as far as fit goes, I think he can fit anywhere. Uh, I really do. Teams need three wide receivers on the field pretty much uh, all the time now, and I, I think that he can play anywhere. If he's your your alpha, your big number one, maybe. But it just teams move guys around so much that I think he could just play in any set, essentially, depending on what you're asking him to do. But I do think that he ultimately profiles a little bit more as like a T Higgins or a Jalen Waddle status or production wise. Like, I think that would be his ceiling. I just don't think that he's going to be Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. You know, like I'm looking at the elite of the elite and I don't think he can get there. He's not special enough in my opinion, but then you look at Jalen Waddle and T Higgins, like the, the best Robins in the game, essentially, I think he can definitely be that guy. Yeah, and he's definitely still going to have to be in a system that throws it a lot, right? Because if he's yeah. in a system that is is middle of the road in throwing the ball, they're just not going to have enough slot snaps for somebody like him who's going to live there. So if he's in a productive system that, that throws it and just slings it around, which two-thirds of the NFL is, right? It's not like he, uh, he doesn't have to worry about uh, going to go to Chicago. Look at Chicago like last year. He couldn't have done anything to help that team. Right. Right. He's not going to the Bears. If he goes somewhere like that, yeah, then he's in trouble. But if he goes to somebody and, and he's not going to make it to the Bengals. But if he went to the Bengals and was – if he if he took Tyler Boyd's spot on the Bengals, yeah, we might need to hose you all for one. <laughs> but if he took Tyler – like they, they run three wide receivers every single snap. So he would catch 50 balls as a rookie just because of the amount of snaps he would be on the field. Yeah, so I think we're both in agreement that uh, I keep throwing like a Devontae Adams out there. He's not going to be Devontae Adams, but we definitely think he can be a 1,000, 1,200-yard guy. And who knows? I'll, I'll use Cooper Cup again. Maybe he doesn't reach that production-wise, but maybe he's able to find the end zone like Cooper Cup is. So regardless, I think he's going to bring a ton of value to a team um, and, and do all the right things, provided he can stay healthy. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms, and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. sort of the big names but I did want to talk about a couple other guys just because of where they're potentially projected to go and that's along the offensive line here Chuck I'm going to start with Paris Johnson Jr. he's mocked sort of all over the place but I have not seen a number beyond the teens next to his name seems like the prototype um, although I'm not going to pretend to be an offensive line expert would be interesting to see him go at number 11 to the Titans maybe Join NPF, replace Taylor Lewan at left tackle, play for Mike Rabel. Um, but I, I see him probably going somewhere in that 
10 to 18 range, maybe number nine. You know, the Bears need an offensive tackle too. Maybe they look at him at number nine with the pick that they've got traded down. So let's call it nine to 18 for Paris Johnson Jr. I think he could be a, a really good tackle. Uh, I I don't think he's Tyron, like peak Tyron Smith, but I think he's a good player. I think he's a very smart player. And the thing with Paris Johnson Jr. is if he fails, you know, air quotes, you can move him inside. You know, he was a really good guard for the Buckeyes. So I think he's got a lot of potential. And what do you think about that, like, 10 to 15 range for him? Yeah, I think he nailed it. And I think Tennessee's that that fit for him. They've got that hole at left tackle. He would slide in. He's kind of similar to Luan in, in the style. Neither of them are 330 pounds. Neither of them knock you completely on your butt every single snap. But they play smart. They know what they're doing. They're really good athletes. I know we don't want to talk uh, healthy of anybody from that team up north, but he was a really good athlete when he we played for them, and he had a lot of good years for the Titans. To me, the, what you said last, though, is the big thing. He's almost bust-proof, right, because he will be a good guard, even if he can't handle whatever it may be. It, to me, I don't see how he can't handle speed rushers. He's not light in the pants, so I don't think he's going to worry about getting bulldozed. But if he can't for whatever reason – he's got plenty of tape of him playing a very effective guard at a very high level. So I agree with you. He is a, he's one of those guys where it's a, a staff that needs somebody that they know, Hey, we've got to get somebody in here that is going to produce for us. And this guy is going to be it. It's funny that, you know, you sort of like that. And I have written down very, very safe investment because I'm with you. I think he's sort of bust proof, even if he's not a pro bowler. I think he's a 10, 15 year guy in the league, provided he's healthy and all that good stuff. And ceiling wise, though, I would not be surprised if he turns out to be Ohio State's best offensive lineman since Taylor Decker, though. You know, Taylor Decker's been in the league for a decade or so now. I think he's been one or two Pro Bowls. Maybe he's been the the bookend there in Detroit. So. I, I do think Paris Johnson Jr. has a, a fairly high ceiling. It's just what you hit on. He's not like this big mountain of a man with like this incredible strength and these heavy hands like a, a Trent Williams. He's not Trent Williams. Sorry. Like he might have really good technique and all that, but he can't be. I, I don't think he can be arguably one of the top two, three most important guys on your team because that's what Trent Williams has been in the past. So um, that's what I've got for him. And the last guy that I've got some real notes on, Dewan Jones, big Thanos, likely looking at late first, early second. Let's just get down to it, Chuck. We've both seen him mocked to Cincinnati at number 28. Is that something that you would be interested in as a Bengals fan? I would. But I do have concerns about speed rushers in the NFL. And with the Bengals, it really concerns me because obviously they're going to be throwing the ball 70, 75% of the time. I would like to see him go to a team that's a little more well-balanced. And so he gets that opportunity to be that road grader on the right, on the right side like he can be. Dewan Jones is a 80s and 90s right tackle back when the league was 50-50, 55% run, some teams 
60% run, he would have made he would have been the top tackle in the league, in my opinion, because he would have just ran everybody over. So it's a little concerning for a team that throws every down. But at the same token, Ohio, we all complained last year about Ohio State throwing every down. So maybe it's not a concern, and you just I, I'm being prejudiced towards somebody who's such a large human being that he can take physics and throw them out the window. It's fair though. Like you don't see guys like that in the league. And I'm also a little weary of the fact that he hasn't really worked out for a lot of teams during this draft process. I've seen, you know, sort of unverified whispers on the interweb that he's nearing 400 pounds. You know, that being said, he didn't allow a sack last year. He is a literal grizzly bear. Um, very athletic as long as he's in shape, you know, in Dewan Jones shape, you know what I mean? Um, former basketball player, had D1 offers to play hoop. So I, I do think he's a really unique athlete as long as he keeps everything under control. You're right. He may not, he might struggle with a Von Miller-esque sort of guy that just has, a, you know, otherworldly bend and can get off the edge and just do some gnarly things. Whereas like, and I'm trying to think of if he were to go up against one of his, you know, if he were to go to Cincinnati, for example, Sam Hubbard, Sam Hubbard's not uh, an edge rusher that I think would give him a ton of trouble. It's more like just those otherworldly athletes that have crazy speed, crazy bend that he might occasionally struggle with. So comps, I actually have Orlando Brown Jr. as one of my comps. Uh, I've got Trent Brown, too. Trent Brown of the Patriots and the Raiders. Both guys just absolutely enormous. I think Trent Brown, it's, it's either him or Mekhi Becton that's the biggest guy in the league right now, I think, because Trent Brown's like 6'8", if I'm not mistaken, 380. Big tackle for a couple of teams, but that's what Dewan Jones is. He's going to be just a monster of a tackle who is going to be a road grader. I think that's what you said before that we jumped on the pod. Might have some issues here and there depending on the matchup. But those are my comps. And I think that as long as he stays in shape, he's too big to not be successful. You know what I mean? Like there aren't a lot of those guys in the league, but unless they can't stay healthy, they're typically pretty good. Um, Trent Brown has been in the league for a long time. Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, Mekhi Becton, when he's healthy, has been really good. Like at some point, physics just wins, and like the bigger dude wins. So if he stays in shape and gets good coaching, thing, I do think he has first round potential, but he's not without concerns. I agree, and I think you even look back to a guy like the Bengals used to have, and like an Andre Smith who was a massive, massive man. And the same thing, though, right? He couldn't stay in shape, and he couldn't continue that. So he ended up only having a really four or five really successful years with the Bengals. I know he stayed in the league for three or four more and actually came back and had a, a cup of coffee at, at guard with the Bengals again. But that's his his kind of path, right? You've got to be able to manage that. And obviously the Buckeyes were able to, and he was able to do it while he was here. If he can continue that, you're right. Like 
just being that big adds a quarter second to or a half a second to what it takes the rusher to get around. Like that's just <laughs> he can't go through you. He's got to go around you. So if he's got to go another yard and a half up up the field, that makes a difference. So it's like, I'm do you remember? You. I I know you're gonna remember him, but like it reminds me of when Pat Williams played defensive line. Like at some point when you're just the biggest dude there is, you're physically gonna beat others. Right. He didn't even have, he didn't push the pocket at all. He just stayed there. And that, <laughs> that took with his arms out, that took seven feet of the middle of the offensive or defensive line that you couldn't get by because he was just there. So unless you're jumping over him, <laughs> you're not getting through. So I, I hope for his sake, he does because he could, he could play 10 years and make uh, a, a ton of money just being that, no, you're not coming through here. I'm just too big for you kind of guy. And you think about if he were to go to the Bengals, it's been a popular mock draft spot because the Bengals do need a right tackle. Dewan Jones on one side, Orlando Brown Jr. on the other side, arguably the biggest bookend duo ever. Uh, like they might even be. I, I, I don't know that a couple of guys have played on the same offensive line at that size, but that's sort of where we've, We've got the big names. Uh, I think we covered a lot. I think there's some interesting sort of comps and landing spots. Real quick, just to go over the others and the projections that I've seen. Chuck, jump in if you've seen anything different. But Zach Harrison right now, I've seen him anywhere in rounds two through four. I think that I, I don't think he's a good enough athlete to be a second round pick. But I brought up a guy like Sam Hubbard. Sam Hubbard's been a productive NFL football player. I think Zach Harrison is a longer version of that. He's never going to be a 10-sack guy, in my opinion. But he can get after you a little bit. He can play well against the run, so on and so forth. So I think he's an early day three guy. Luke Whipler, Ohio State, or formerly Ohio State center. I've seen him often mocked in rounds three or four. Makes sense. He sort of came on out of nowhere, really. You know, redshirt sophomore at the beginning of this year. Certainly no one was talking about him as a potential third-round pick, but somewhere in those middle rounds is good for him, I think. And then you've got a couple of defensive backs that I hit on briefly earlier, Ronnie Hickman and Cam Brown. I will say the one thing with Ronnie Hickman, I, I don't think he's, like, shifty enough. Exactly. Um, but I think he could play a role. And what's crazy is I've seen him. So PFF had him mocked at number 116 overall. Nothing to write home about, right? ESPN had him as the number 230 prospect. So I just thought that was interesting, the variance. You know, one team, one sort of service has him as a fourth rounder, whereas ESPN almost has him as an undrafted sort of guy. I think there's a low ceiling on Ronnie Hickman, but I also don't think that Ohio State's defense last year was conducive to his success. Now, that's a two-way street. He didn't do himself any favors, but, you, you know, 100 tackles the year before. So those are the other, not just the draft-eligible guys, but the other Ohio State Buckeyes who are likely to hear their names called Chuck anything to add there anything of interest or are they just sort of you're running the mill day three guys 
Yeah, with Ronnie Hickman, you kind of get it, though, right? Because he's not that center field safety that teams are looking for, right? He's going to have to find the right system to allow him to be that down in the box a little bit, going after the tackle. Like, we, we talked about the 80s and 90s for Dewan Jones. He would have been the same thing, right? He would have been that strong safety. They got 100 tackles a year helping on the run. Well, that those guys don't exist anymore. The teams that have safeties that have 100 tackles stink. And they're only getting 100 tackles because nobody else is tackling. Like, that's not that's not a good thing anymore. It used to be. So that I can get that. If he finds the right program, though, could he be and, – and he – don't get me wrong. He's not this. But he could play a Derwin James-type role for a team at – what about a Von Bell? What about like a Von Bell type role? Maybe more when he was in New Orleans because they did that a little more with him here. You know, he actually got to play a little more in coverage, and it was crazy. He started making interceptions and pass breakups. <laughs> it was like, oh my god, he can actually do this. It's it was a crazy concept. So yeah, I could see that. With with Zach Harrison, you talked about Hubbard, and Hubbard was probably a little more productive simply because. Maybe his stats weren't as great, but Hubbard was also on a loaded line, and he wasn't playing nearly the snaps Harrison was playing. So you look back, Hubbard was a third-round pick. So if he was a little less productive than Hubbard, then you're probably right. He's a a late third, early fourth, maybe mid-fourth type guy, and he's going to have to find that niche. He doesn't have that crazy explosion that you need out of a pass rusher in most cases. Hubbard doesn't either. And you know what? Hubbard doesn't get 12 sacks a year. He gets six or seven. He's the guy going up against the right tackle that's making those run stops. Can Harrison find that niche as that guy that can uh, help out in the run, can still put pressure? He may not put him on the ground every time, but how many times this year that we watch Sam Hubbard push uh, somebody right into Trey Hendrickson or Cam Sample or Joseph Asai because he was the one that started the process, and that that's valuable. So Harrison could have a role in that. Chuck, I want to just because you brought you know Hubbard up again, and with Harrison, I don't think we can sit on the coaching he received. You know, he did not put up the numbers that a lot of people expected him. Uh, to put up at Ohio State, but, you know, getting coached by Larry Johnson, that carries over, that counts for something. And I think about, it's not just the Bosa's and Chase Young that have gone on to have success in the NFL. It is Sam Hubbard. It is Draymond Jones who just got $80 million, you know, and he was a, a fourth or fifth rounder. It's even lesser guys, you know, like Tyquan Lewis has stuck around for a minute. And so, like, that's where I think he could maybe play a handful, you know, 10 years or something because the technique is probably there too. It's just like he couldn't put all the things together at the same time. But then when he was at his best, it was like, damn, you know, Zach Harrison looks really good. So I just want to jump in there because I was going to forget it otherwise. But I don't think he can sleep on the coaching. He could be a guy that I don't think he's going to get $80 million like Draymond Jones did for his, you know, third contract. But it wouldn't shock me if he played in the NFL for a long, long time. Absolutely. You know, at, at defensive line, you can be 
a good player and play a long time because there's no team in the NFL that said, you know, what we just have, we got too many defensive linemen that are good at playing football. It just doesn't exist. It's, it's, it's a position that they can always rotate guys. They will always find a role for him. And Tyquan Lewis is actually probably a really good uh, comp, right? He, he was a, he was a second round pick, but he's just kind of hung around. He just resigned again. Like he's been in, in Indianapolis now for six, seven, eight years and if, if that's what happens for Zach Harrison, you know, that there's worse things than having an NFL pension and making a few million dollars. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that, you know, Ohio State, they're going to put out a ton of offensive talent. And, you know, the four guys that we hit on first may all go in the first round. But on both sides of the ball for the, you know, the shit that Ohio State their coaching staff does take from time to time. Like a lot of Buckeyes are successful in the league. And I think that some of these other Buckeyes, if you will, can find a role, play a little bit um, and ultimately be successful. Even a guy like Cam Brown, you know, high recruit couldn't stay healthy, but got some skill. I don't think we saw him like run at pro day or during the combine, but like he said, he could be a four, three something guy. If he gets completely healthy, uh, th- then who knows, you know, but I I think that's where we're at on this one, Chuck. Like that's the end of the draft stuff. And I don't want to really get into too much else by, by kind of shoehorning it in a- anything else you want to add to this one, Chuck, or do you think we wrapped it up pretty well? No, I, I think we wrapped it up pretty well. And I am going to, I'm going to take the victory on this first podcast together because I dominate it. <laughs> okay. You count those fake victories, but uh, no, it's good to be back. It's even better to be back with my brother Chuck here, and we're we're getting back into that cadence. You know, like I said, hang out in the Holy Land, took a little bit of a a hiatus, but we're going to be back as much as humanly possible, doing one per week. We're recording right now on Sunday, should go up on Wednesday. Uh, We'll keep that similar pattern throughout the spring and the summer. And again, just hit on a bunch of different stuff. I think our plan next week is to talk about the spring game. You know, uh, we will be the 101st pod to do so. Uh, but by recording on Sunday, may- maybe we've got the the freshest takes, even though it's going to go up later in the week. But like I said, just super excited to be back. And, and now that we are engaged with us, uh, you know, hit us up on social media. Uh, when you see our, our the link to our our site, uh, the link to our names, I'm sorry, you can find Chuck and I both on Twitter. He's CT Holmes 3. I am Jay Dooley Buckeye. You'll see that in my writing and stuff as well. And other than that, guys, just make sure to like, rate, review.